0: All right, back to Romans chapter 8. We're going to attempt to cover chapter 8, verses 24 through 30, uh, and talk about hope, prayer, and predestination. Now, I, I fully understand the task before me, and we may not make it through this outline, but that's, that's my, uh, my goal, at least, for the lesson. Uh, we recently talked about the uh, being free from indwelling sin, sonship through the Spirit, and going from suffering to glory. And it's been a couple of weeks since we uh, talked about Romans, and and so we're diving back into chapter 8 now. You know, the the book of Hebrews teaches us that our faith is the substance of things hoped for. And this morning, uh, our lesson in Romans will open with Paul reminding us that we are saved in this hope. That's what he he begins the, the passage this morning, talking about our salvation being in this hope. So we're going to talk about what that word hope means from a biblical perspective. Uh, following that discussion, we turn our attention to God's remarkable, remarkable plan for our prayers. I don't think we study that enough. I don't think we focus on that enough as believers. How prayer actually works, how important it is, how involved we should be, and, and more to the point how involved god is in our prayer life Uh, we we think of it as too often a safety net or an obligation uh, as for instead of what it really is when when god all three parts of the god get involved and and they and i believe get excited and so we're going to talk about that lastly if time permits we're gonna take a look at what Romans chapter eight says about predestination. Now, we're not gonna do an exhaustive, exhaustive discussion over uh, the doctrine of predestination. That's not my intent. We don't have time for that. Uh, we're gonna address it in Romans chapter eight and just leave it right there. And, and every time that we talk about predestination, it stirs something in us as we try to comprehend predestination. And, and I'm just gonna tell you from the very get-go you're not going to get it And I know that because I don't get it And, and, not, and that's, that's going to be where we're going to leave it Okay, uh, it, it, It's a fascinating, fascinating doctrine It's a true doctrine, I believe in it uh, But we're, we're going to talk about it, how it relates to, to God and, and the believer So let's go ahead and do our reading We'll begin in uh, verse 24 For we are saved in this hope But hope that is seen is not hope, for why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified. and whom he justified, these he also glorified. So going back to the, the top or the beginning there, uh, talking about the promise of hope. Do you understand that salvation is a promise of hope? Uh, d- does that resonate with you on a regular basis? I hope that it does, and it should, uh, especially when things go hard. It, it's interesting that uh, we, you know, one of the most famous verses in the Bible is verse 28, uh, which we all know by heart. And We know that all things work together for good, right? We love that part. Uh, we we kind of like to grab that one out, separate it, and just, just hang, it on, hang on to it for a rainy day, so to speak. But the context of it is so important, and it begins right here when he talks about the promise of our hope and salvation. That's why things are going to work together for good. It, it, again, it, um, almost any time this passage is read, the, the, the preacher throws himself a safety net out and says, That means that all things are good. And we know that's right. Not all things are good, some things are bad. But yet, in the end, things are going to work together for good. So, this word hope it, uh, in the Greek, uh, in the, the Strong's reference number, if you're interested in that, is 1680 in the Greek section. But it means that in the Christian sense, a, a joyful and confident expectation. So it, it's not, not in the sense of a, a, a gambler hopes he's gonna win you know, when he lays down his bet. Uh, even, in te- even an intelligent gambler, one that, uh, that there, there's some that make their living because they're very successful at gambling because they study and they, I don't know how they do all that they do, but they, I guess they win more than they lose. Uh the anybody watched Jeopardy? Yeah, anybody remember James Holzhauer? Yeah, that's right, that guy. Uh apparently he's very good at it and he makes us living that way. But even it's not that kind of hope, even. This is a sure hope. This is a a hundred percent. This is going to happen. And the Bible calls it a hope because well it goes on to explain because we don't see it yet we know it's going to happen we see all the truths of the past we 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 understand that god is in charge and that things are going to happen but our salvation it's is not a maybe so but it's a it's a confident and a joyful confidence and expectation because we look forward to the day when it is revealed but Paul says the hope is not yet revealed. Look again in verse 24. For we see, for we were saved in this hope. Now he says in this hope, what's he talking about? Well, one verse up, he, he was talking about when we last met, the redemption of our bodies, and we talked about that glorified body. That we're, it's not even just the spirit, but our, our whole being is going to be transformed. And, and we had a lot of fun talking about and imagining what that's going to be like with that, that new body, that transformed body. Uh, and, and, man, I can dwell on that for, forever and ever. I mean, that's just so much fun for me to think about. Uh, the, even just the tolerances of that new body. Uh, you, going through outer space, and I know that's just the lowest level up, but but being higher than the angels, and and all the things that we're going to be able to do and to see and and to take part in. And Paul says, because of that, we, we we were saved in this hope, in this expectation that those things are going to happen. We're going to cast off this flesh, this flesh with all its problems, with all its limitations. All these things that hold us back, all these things that discourage us, uh, and, and things that, by the way, uh, that deteriorate. Uh, Michael and I were, were laughing earlier this morning. I, I think the, when he first saw me, <laughs> he, he pointed this out where I'm going to preach in Flat Rock, Alabama. Never been there before in my life. Those people wouldn't know me from Adam's house cat, other than the pastor when I walked through the door. And this week, he posted a picture of me. For his church to pray. And I hadn't seen this picture that he posted for 20 something years. I said, Won't they be surprised? <laughs> Things have gone downhill since that picture. But you know what? I've got a hopeful expectation that one day, man, I'm going to have hair like Fabian. I'm going to fly through outer space. You know, there's going to be more up here than down here again. Whatever that's gonna look like, I, I don't just I don't just cross my fingers, hope it's gonna happen. It's gonna happen, folks. It's a hopeful expectation. And that's what this word means. That's what Paul is dwelling on here. This is why Romans 8 28 is in the book. This is why things are gonna to work together because this hopeful expectation is going to happen. Now he says that it's not revealed yet. Uh, we don't see it yet. By the way, who's it not revealed to yet? Let's, let's cover this. Who doesn't see it yet? This is not a true question. Us, yeah. We see the opposite of that, don't we? I mean, you look at that picture and look at me, you think things are going the wrong way. <laughs> That's an unhopeful expectation. But to those in heaven, see... These things have been revealed. How many have lost loved ones that are not lost, loved, but loved ones that have gone on before in heaven? I do. You know what? They they see it. That it's been revealed to them. That they are taking part of it, even right now. We're going to talk a little more, a little bit more about that on the next line when we talk about prayer. But he says, one maintains hope with perseverance, steadfastness, endurance constancy what, what, what's he saying there he's saying you've got to dwell on the things of God the things of God in the past look at God's history uh, and we can look at God's history uh, in the scriptures obviously and that's an encouragement and we can see those things and we, can, and we should try the, stri- the, the spirits in the scriptures we should hold them up uh, and look for the evidence we, we should see the truths in there and by the, the the evidence is just in an abundant and the longer we live, the more abundant it, the Bible is proven. How many times have you have you heard or read an article or seen somebody who sets out to disprove Scripture? And I love it when it happens to the archaeologist. I don't know why. I just enjoy it. And they go out and they and they they're going to go somewhere and they're going to disprove. And what always happens, almost without fail, they end up proving the opposite that the Bible is true, that it is accurate. It, many times just historically but it's also spiritually accurate and then we can look at our own history can we not we can dwell on god and the things that that god has done in our own lives and folks i can do that i can look back and i you know and the first memory for me is when i was four years old and i became a christian when i got saved now and 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 gary tells much the same our salvation stories are very similar both were four years old, and we, we weren't guilty of great sin. I've done much, much more sophisticated sin since then, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately. But yet I can still remember as a four-year-old boy and, and, and bowing on my knees and accepting Christ in faith and things changing. You say, well, what could change? You're four, you know. <laughs> I, I, things were different inside my my even my cognitive ability to understand Christ and the the spirit communicating with me was different praying was different see so i can look at those things of god and i can trace through my life uh, the these little tent posts if you will of my spiritual walk and, and god's dealing with me god's leading me god's convicting me sometimes it was not a good thing when when uh, i can remember <laughs> driving off columbus air force base one day and the holy spirit speaking to my heart in such a way that i began to shake and had to pull off in the PH parking lot and and pray a prayer of repentance because god said that you need to straighten up boy you're out of here enough's enough and that doesn't happen to the unbeliever i get chills thinking about now and god was getting hold of his of his, his son and said buddy you better straighten up that's it that's enough. And then I, I did. <laughs> I'm still here. <laughs> and, and I believe I wouldn't have been had I not. I'm that serious about it. So I can see those things in my life. I can look at the history of my walk with God. And I can dwell on that. And, and even in the present, I, I, I can dwell on the things that God, God deals with me. He, he gives me uh, instruction. He gives me conviction. He, he provides for me. As I live by his word, the things that I do correct, uh, he, it pays off. In dividends, spiritual dividends. That, that God blesses me. He blesses my family. We can live by these truths and, and, and we can see God's working in our hearts and in our lives. And then, of course, the hope in God's future in the future things we we look into those things and we look forward to the rapture that's the next things on on the calendar is it not i mean as the old preacher used to say either you go by the clocks or the clouds i mean either you die and go to heaven you know we, we don't die as other people we, when we die it's a, it should be a celebration too for the believers but if not then we're looking for what the rapture and we're looking forward to those things and and there was a young man in that I used to teach and he was a good young man I, and he was a believer but he he was when we were going to teach revelation he would just start to tremble and and he was literally he was scared to death and he was in tears and I talked to him privately I said what's going on with you what's uh, and he and he just he I think he had just been taught nothing in Revelation except, you know, the world's falling apart and the moon's turned to blood and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, but you ain't gonna be here. You know, after we talked again about salvation and I was confident that he was indeed saved and I had no reason to not believe that. And we begin to dwell on the, the things for the believer in Revelation and this hopeful expectation of God taking his children out of this old world. And going to heaven and, and then being there for the marriage supper of the Lamb and then returning in uh, a, a triumphal entry back in, into uh, this battle of Armageddon where he speaks and it's over, honey. It's done. I mean, we're there for show, basically. And then we set, he sets up a kingdom and we rule and reign. And, and so we look as a hopeful expectation to those things. So we dwell on God in the past. We dwell on God in the, in the present and in the future. Now let's talk about this process of prayer. And, and this is, uh, I, I remember, the first time that I ever saw this in Scripture, I began to get excited. And, I, and I've always, I've referred to it even in this class many times. But I, I love to go over and over this. And, and I, again, we need to remind ourselves of these things because when you pray, and, and I mean, I, I certainly when we pray earnestly, but I think even those, those quick prayers you know, when when you're in a mess, and, you, and some of my best prayers start with "Help." You know, I'm in, I've done it again. I'm in a mess. Even when we do that, if we're earnest, if we're sincere, if we're calling out to the Father. Remember, we talked about Abba, Father, recently. We had that privilege. When we do that, when we pray, and I mean really pray. I I don't mean submit a wish list of what you want. Uh, your goodies for christmas or whatever but but i mean when you're you're really getting serious with god and, and you're being honest and you're crying out to him this is what happens let's read it again and then talk about it because i love these verses look at verse 24 with me oh i'm sorry verse 26 likewise uh, well let's 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 back up to to the latter part of verse 24 why does he start with likewise uh, in verse 26 look at 25 it says but if we hope for what we do not see we eagerly wait for it with perseverance so with with hanging in there with with doing the things that we staying faithful we don't see it yet we hope in it we know it's coming so we're going to hang in there with perseverance that's in this life with all the trouble with all the difficulty. And then he goes on, verse 26, and says, likewise. So just as you're hanging in there, you need to pray. You need to persevere through prayer, Paul says. And when you do that, this is how God responds. And this is so awesome. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. Man, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't leave us alone, does he? When Jesus left, he made a promise, didn't he? That he's going to leave somebody. Somebody's going to come. He had to go away so that somebody could come, right? Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit could do what? Well, what are the jobs of the Holy Spirit? Well, he teaches. He rebukes. He encourages. he has So many things he does, but he's also directly involved with your prayer and with my prayer. Put your name on that. It's not that he's just corporately out there for the church. But when Matt English prays, when he prays sincerely, the Holy Spirit of God directly gets involved with Matt's prayer. When when Billy prays, the Holy Spirit of God directly gets involved when lisa prays when each of you pray when i pray the holy spirit of god takes a direct interest and lays hands on that prayer i can't say it any more real than that you understand that but it gets better the god of heaven is involved in your little old prayer life and i say it that way because paul just says we don't even know what we're supposed to be praying We don't even speak the right language. He he didn't write that the Holy Spirit is enraptured with our benevolence and delivers our glorious message to heaven. He didn't say that, did he? Look at what he says in verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses. That's your prayers, by the way. They're weak. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. In other words, Paul said in the southern vernacular, y'all are pitiful. Your prayer life's pitiful. You don't even speak the right language. You're going to go to the throne room of God with this mess? But the Holy Spirit loves it. And he grabs that weak prayer, and he knows what needs to be said. Hey, that's an encouragement to me. I don't have to be perfect. I don't have to know the right thing to say. I need to come with an earnest heart and submit to his will. And the Holy Spirit scoops that mess up and he takes it to heaven. Literally. This is not a metaphor, folks. This is what goes on when you pray. Let's read on. I got excited and lost my place. I got to start over. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses, for we do not know for what we should pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself he doesn't send an angel to do it. The Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. The Holy Spirit Himself takes your prayer and He translates it. And He doesn't just translate it, but then He, he adds to it. He, he puts what's right in it and he, ma- he makes groanings. You understand groaning? If you ever played football especially on the the or defense only you understand groaning because there's a lot of communication that goes on there you don't hear it up in the stands but there's a lot goes on in that pit there there's groanings there's there's grunts and there's snorts and there's there's probably expletives there's a lot that goes on there why because they're pushing one against the other that that's that's the intensity. That's what he's talking. This groanings. He, he's, he's like, he's got to get this message through. And he carries it. And he delivers it with groanings. So who's he give that groaning to? Look at verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the spirit is. Who is that? Who searches the hearts? Sunday school answer. Jesus. There you go. Very good. Write this verse down, Revelation chapter 2, verse 23. You don't have to turn to it, but that's, that, that's who searches the hearts. That's the reference right there. For he, Jesus, searches, the, he knows what the mind of the Spirit is because, here's the third part, I guess the fourth part coming up because we're the first part. When we pray our little prayer, the Holy Spirit grabs it. That's the second part. He brings it, he delivers it to, the, to Jesus who searches the heart because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You want to make sure you're praying in the will of God? How many, how one, how many of you want to pray in the will of God? Good. I think I saw every hand. You know how you do that? Get honest get earnest with an imperfect understanding just be honest just be earnest and truthful with god and the holy spirit (laughs) takes that and he carries it to heaven and he groans over it to jesus and jesus hears it because he knows the mind of the spirit he understands it perfectly and he also understands the will of God, the Father, and he turns to the, he takes your prayer and he turns to God the Father and submits your prayer after it's already been whitewashed and translated by the Spirit and upgraded. You get a free upgrade every time you pray. You realize that? That's awesome. And gives it to a, hey folks, what is this saying? When you pray, when you sincerely pray, put your name on it again, the Trinity gets involved. The Holy Trinity of this Bible gets involved when you pray. Folks, how, we, how could we not be encouraged to pray more with that description of prayer? Man, any, now, this is not, it doesn't sound spiritual. How many of you sometimes pray and pray and pray over something and feel like you're getting nowhere, you're spinning your wheels? Anybody? I do. I, yeah. Sometimes it's often. He goes, but folks... Be encouraged. Persevere. Every time you pray, this is what's happening. And I don't know why God answers prayer the way He does, in the timing He does, but He does. And, it, and it, persevere in it. The, the tr- if the Trinity of God, the Holy Trinity of God, thinks your prayer life is important enough that all three of them are going to get involved, folks, persevere. Pray. Live in the attitude of prayer. Live in a moment of prayer. Daniel used to go and pray three times a day in his home. He had a a prayer closet. And three times a day he would stop. And if you can learn to do that, if you can discipline yourself to do that, do it. But until you get there, when you're driving down the road, when you're peddling drugs all over Ohio. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Pharmaceuticals. pharmaceuticals then, all right? Hey, when you're... Pray earnestly when I'm going to that old fire hall in the morning, I need to pray earnestly when, when I've got time in between and I've got I need to stop and pray earnestly and just tell God what's on your heart, what you want for your family, what you want for yourself. repent, repent. He already knows get honest with God. And let this this holy prayer chain go to work for you. Folks, it's so if you want to persevere in this hope, in this truth, then that's what you need to do. I am way off my outline here, but I got excited, so I'm not going to apologize for it. Hey, while we hope the Spirit helps, uh, the Spirit translates and delivers our prayer. Now, I wanted to point this out because uh, my sister mentioned this to me a few years ago, and, it, and it, as I studied again last night, uh, putting this back together, I, I had this outline ready two weeks ago, and didn't I ran out of time, and so we came back to it, but as I began to refresh it, I, I, I picked up the phone and started texting my sister, because my, my sister and my mom were extremely, they were best friends. I mean, they, they were just a night, a, a tight, tight-knit bond. Mom liked us boys pretty well. She fed and clothed us, you know, but uh, we didn't respond as well as Heather did to most things. <laughs> so uh, we we always make the joke that when Kevin and I were young, we got to go camping at Smith Lake, thirty miles down the road, and uh, Heather, when she was old enough, they took her to Europe <laughs> without us. <laughs> It's a little imbalance there, but I understand it. Because as they were constantly prying Kevin and I apart with bloody noses and all, you know, and all that goes along with boys being boys, uh, here comes this little girl in frilly dresses and, and bows and she's hugging on daddy and you know doing everything right. So I get it. It's okay. I'm not as bitter as I seem. <laughs> But when mom passed away, she, she, she told her husband, Josh, and he was with us a couple of weeks ago, that, that one of the things that she regretted most was she, was she felt like she was losing mom's prayers because mom prayed. Mom was a prayer where she prayed for, for Heather. And, of course, they're in ministry out there and doing a tremendous job in ministry. God bless it in that church. And Josh began to, to show her some, some things from uh, especially the book of Revelation and in different places in Scripture. Where, where Jesus is the main one that prays for us. But then she began to study also, and she looked into this article by Randy Alcorn. And I, and I, uh, I, I brought it with me, and I, I want to give you some verses here. We're not going to read them or take time to read them. But uh, first of all, it, it is a fact, and we just read that Jesus himself is in heaven interceding for you. If you've lost loved ones that, that are in heaven now and you feel like well that you've lost that resource, well Jesus is there in, interceding. But then also in Romans uh, Revelation chapter 6 verse 10, we see that the martyrs in heaven pray to God asking him to uh, take specific action on earth. So those martyrs, human beings who died for the cause of Christ, we see them in Revelation chapter 6 verse 10, still praying. and they're praying for what? Those that are still on earth. Um, prayer is simply talking to God angels can talk to God and therefore angels pray Uh, we communicate with God in heaven but our prayer uh, James 5.16 says that our prayers will be effective given our righteous state so when are we more righteous when we're on earth or when we're in heaven well in heaven and so it's, it's a logical assumption that even there the saints can pray. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8, that speaks to the prayers of the saints. Well, again, it's talking about the saints in heaven. And so this article goes on and on. And I I, I would encourage you to read uh, this article, uh, Do People Now in Heaven Pray for Those on Earth? by Randy Alcorn. He wrote this in 2010. Anybody familiar with Randy Alcorn? If you want to study about heaven, I don't know that there's a better author. He, he wrote a, a book about heaven. Uh, he did a lot, and it's all straight from Scripture. It, it, it's not imaginary stuff. But, man, there's a tremendous resource. But the point is this. I believe, and especially after looking into the Scriptures, that Mom's still praying for heaven and praying for me. In fact, probably more so and more effectively. See again, we have this, so it's a hopeful expectation. It's not just cross our fingers and we want it to happen, but we believe it and we know it. We gotta move on, last point, his predestination. So we're gonna look into this, and um, I'm not gonna take questions this morning on it because we'll never get out of here, and I gotta bug out in about five minutes here and get on the road uh, to go to Flat Rock, Alabama, that great metropolitan city (laughs) up on Sand Mountain. (laughs) Uh, but we'll talk about his predestination as it applies here in Romans chapter 8. Verses 29 and 30, look again with me. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he he also glorified. So very quickly, here's what it says. His predestination is founded upon his foreknowledge. Now my dad held to this. And any time predestination came up, he held to this verse that it's based on his foreknowledge. And I agree with that. But folks, I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not a five-point Calvinist, I don't guess. Uh, But I'm close. And here's what I will tell you. The Bible teaches predestination it's in there can't take it out if you're going to be an honest bible student it teaches predestination the bible teaches free will choice when you must call upon the name of the lord and thou shalt be saved you've got to call holy spirit calls to you you've got to answer that call you've got to call out to him you've got to to believe in the lord jesus christ and you'll be saved the bible teaches predestination and teaches free will choice both are therefore true do i understand that a resounding no and and you man in the finite mind we we, you can start running this loop of well you know if everybody's going to be saved why we need to witness and or we need to witness to fulfill the great commission but everybody's going to be saved that's going to be saved because they're already predestined so are they really being saved or are they already I, I don't know. I, I don't understand it. But Jesus told me to get busy about the Great Commission. I can get that. I understand that. The boss I got that I work for now before I ever worked my first shift for him sent me a list of ten bullet points of what he wanted from his captains. And I got that and I said, perfect. I I can see them I can hit that target. I got it. I know what he wants same is true with us i don't understand everything that goes on i don't understand everything about predestination i don't understand everything about free will choice even but i know that i'm told to go out and to make disciples i'm to share the gospel that's my one thing that's what jesus said we are to do and so we need to get busy doing it whether you lean more towards predestination or more towards free will choice i don't really care Because they're both in the book. So don't try to take them out. So again, Paul says, it's based on his foreknowledge, those are predestined, uh, they're predestined or predetermined to be conformed to his image, to, to be more like him. And those he predestined, well, he called. And those that were called, justified. And those who are justified, glorified. So it's a process. There's a calling of the Holy Spirit. When that call is answered, then we're justified. When we're saved, we're justified. We've already talked about that earlier in this very chapter justification and what that meant. And someday, we're going to be glorified. And that's, that, that's what he's been talking about this whole time that hopeful expectation. That's where we're headed. Hope in Christ is sure, though it's unseen. Prayer works in heaven far beyond anything that we understand. And predestination will never be fully comprehended in this finite world with our finite minds. So what do we do? God works beyond our ability to understand it. That's that's the thing. Don't forget that. Just because you don't understand it, you don't get it, doesn't mean that God's worried in heaven. He's got this thing. He understands it. He knows you don't get it. So we're called to live by faith and to walk in the Spirit. Not a blind faith, not an ignorant faith, but but nonetheless, faith. Believe in what he said and do what he directed us to do. Jesus had dealt with this issue somewhat early in his ministry and he used the example of the wind. and he, He said, you know, you believe in the wind even though you can't see it you feel its result you see it you see what it blows around but yet you don't know where it comes from and you don't know where it's going you can't see it yet you believe it it's much the same way folks i don't fully understand what god's doing never claimed to and i gary taught me this i'm i rejoice in that i don't want to worship a god that i fully understand or i fully control because then then I'm more than God God, than he is. He's beyond me. He's above me. He is God. So what do we do? We get obedient. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Just in all your ways, acknowledge him. And he'll direct your path. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's it, folks. And that's a hopeful expectation. I love you. Get out of here. I'll see you next week.